Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. What is up? I'm not Scott Tailford, but I am Ewan, and this is the What Culture Gaming Podcast. And today I'm joined by the venerable Josh Brown. Hello. And the badass Ben Roy Turner. Hi. Has everyone ever called you badass before? No, no, literally no one ever has. Well, there we go, because today we're going to talk about video games that are badass in their own unique way, and those are the ones that are coming back from the dead. And we kind of came up with this this morning because we were talking about Star Wars Battlefront 2 for a little bit. As you two always do. As we always do. It's literally one of the few games that is in my, my rotation. Droid. Droidicars, man. Yeah, the droidicars. The droidicars are in there. And, you know, it's kind of a recent trend over the past, I'd say, two, two, three years, where video games have kind of booked the trend of living and dying in their first months. So we had what I think really kicked it off was Rainbow Six Siege, which yeah. released in 2015. To a kind of lukewarm reception, people kind of praised the shooting mechanics and the multiplayer, but there was never an inkling that it would become the beast that it is today. And uh, yeah, Siege was a really interesting thing for me because I hopped into that about probably it was like a month after the no, it was the it was a couple of months after the first DLC released, and that was a good few months into it. And then uh, the second DLC, which had Blackbeard and Valkyrie, and then the game has just evolved so much through word of mouth. And we've kind of seen different games kind of take that approach. It's, it's interesting because the, the, it's, it's still the exception. Because you look at games like um, For Honor and, yeah. you know, the first Division in particular. I know the Division was a success for Ubisoft, yeah. but that player base kind of massively spiraled off. Straight away as well. I think it was mm. like after a month, like people realized the end game wasn't quite up to snuff and then it, it, people tilled off massively. I think Ubisoft were better than most to commit to that still, despite the waning player base. They mm-hmm. kind of managed to turn it around in a way, but in a way, like they sort of also lost too much momentum to do with Siege. Because I think when people played Siege, a lot of us thought, well, this is a bit rough on the edges, but the core gameplay itself was was great. It was just everything else bogging it down. It was like matchmaking mm. and sort of like uh, lagging the games hit and detection. like hit and, detection and, and stuff Ash, like not that. Not Ash from What Culture Gaming, Ash from Rainbow Six. Oh, very similar people. I, I mean, <laughs> the whole thing though, they took out the ACOG rash just mm-hmm. still upsets me to this day. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was my whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so basically we're going to kind of try and figure out how video games basically survive after almost being pronounced dead on arrival. And um, we're going to go through different examples we'll go through siege first because obviously it's the one that really you know kind of started this trend because beforehand if your game if you had a multiplayer focused game that didn't pick up it would just and it didn't pick up in the first month that would be it we look at something like battleborn for instance even though you know gearbox tentatively supported that after release there was no chance of that picking up Mm -hmm. because overwatch just dwarfed it instantly and siege is a curious case because it had so much going against it. And like you said, the core gameplay really brought people into that. And they were always planning. They always had that first season of DLC plans. So it was always getting supported regardless of, you know, how much, you know, attention was given to it. But 
the, just how extensive the reworks were that they introduced. And you know, yeah. some people probably complain that they probably did too much, but the actual content itself. Was that what really brought people back to it, or was it just the word of mouth? Well, I think it's 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 a really strange one because although it didn't completely tank with the critics, it didn't like score exceptionally well. I think it, a lot of it was the community and word of mouth. Like if you were playing it playing it at launch, there was kind of a feeling of oh, this is getting sort of like crapped on in like the mainstream media and by mainstream gamers, but there was something there is like something really cool that we want to cultivate. And I think Ubisoft sort of realized that too. So I do think the first DLC pack of the first season or whatever really brought players back in by don't think that would have been possible if not for that initial word of mouth like we were talking about the division mm. i think a good distinction between that those two games is that whilst the division still came with like a wealth of post-release content it didn't have that initial word of mouth the people were excited for it and then dropped off whereas with rainbow six I think it was the other way around people were sort of sort of cards close to their chest wanting to be won over and then it won a few of them over and then the word started to spread so it sort of went that way instead of that way for mm. people listening i just went up with my hand and then went down with my hand. That's a very good demonstration. I like the <laughs> yeah. visual aid. The thing about Rainbow Six is it was just kind of like uttered out in December, like mid-December, like, you go over there and just be quiet and just go away. And people started to forget about it, as you said, but it just slowly just built there and built a little community and you just hear things like, wait, is Siege actually good? Because a lot of us, like me in particular, were wanting that story, the story mm, yeah, about yes. Patriots, mm. I think it was, mm-hmm. yeah. which was shown uh, E3 before that, the, the cinematic trailer, we just never got it. And to have just a multiplayer-only game, it was back... I think back then, especially, it was like, oh, it's multiplayer only. I, just, mm-hmm. I can't be doing with this sort of thing. Yeah. But just grew and grew and grew. And I think the free weekends that Ubisoft do of their games as well is very smart because that's how I got in there. I managed to get my friends to download it mm. begrudgingly. We played it, and I was like, I'm settled. I'm, I'm buying this. Yeah. yeah. $25 pounds on Amazon. That was, in there straight I think away, the yeah. price point was a thing as well because I, we kind of, I was at uni when it came out, and we were all looking for something to play together because I, I can't remember what we were kind of looking at beforehand, but then Rainbow Six came. Oh, we were playing Battlefield 1, actually. Yeah. I think Battlefield 1 came out around that time, and we all kind of got a little bit bored of it. And then we were looking for something a little bit more. And I played the Rainbow Six Siege uh, beta, and that, when I played that, I was like, oh, you know, there's some interesting concepts here. But when it came out, I was like, yeah, I, I kind of see my fears were realized and the yeah. reviews and stuff. But then I saw it on Amazon, like you said, for like 25 quid or something. And we all just dropped some dough on it. Yeah. And then we all played it together. And it suddenly became, you know, every night was Siege Night. And we were all playing it over and over again. I had more or less the exact same experience. Mm. Like, I played the beta and I'm with my friends. And we all said, oh, this is, this is really good, really mm. promising. We'll get this at launch day. But then because it came out in December, yeah. after when I was skinned and I had, like, every all these other games that come out, I was like, oh, I'll, I'll give it a month or so. And I, I picked it up in January because my friends got it mm. as intended. And they just wouldn't shut up about it. So I thought, I want to try this out. And I'm so, so pleased. So, so pleased I did. Yeah. And unlike other multiplayer games, it's got stakes, like you die, you're dead sort of thing. I love that. And it's something that you can just play with two of you or you can have all five of you on the team mm-hmm. because each person, like, see, just so great that you can just take a point and hold off five people if you've got the right operator at a certain time. Yeah, times. definitely. Yeah, and that's the interesting thing about Siege because it's, whereas we're going to get to these other examples in a second, but I think it's a unique entity in the sense that it never divested from its initial premise. It was always this tactical kind of semi-realistic first-person shooter that really value, valued um, team play over, you know, um, kind of just run and gun, you know, just running, throwing bodies at a wall over mm. and over again and seeing who comes out on top. And, you know, you could argue that in recent updates it's gotten crazier and crazier, but it's still, the still fundamental core of that game has never changed since release. It's always yeah. been the same. Team ble- Team-based, different objectives, really interesting environments and maps, you know, they've constantly reworked them as well. But some of these other games that have kind of shown a second life 
have done so in a more reactive sense. So I'm going to bring up Fortnite now, because Fortnite, when that was first announced at E3, that was a co-op um, construction survival game. Yeah. And I was intrigued by it, honestly. I thought, honestly, if I'm being completely honest, that first version of Fortnite appealed to me more than what it eventually became. <laughs> Coming off of Gears as well, like, I was yeah. like, what is Epic going to do next? What is Cliffy B going to bring to the world? And mm. like... I love the whole zombie horde thing and mm. the idea. I was like, yeah, let's get into this. When it came out, mm. it was just kind of, did any of you play the same no, thing? It was no. the same thing. My, my friends picked it up and they were like, get, get Fortnite, Josh, it's really good. I've just spent 70 pounds on the deluxe edition. And I was thinking, <laughs> why? I mean, jokes on them now that it's changed and it's free and it's this completely different thing. But no, I didn't buy into the hype. I mm. thought, again, the, the, the E3 trailer looks fine, looked, looked decent, had like an interesting premise, but the original version just wasn't for me. Yeah. But then obviously that, the thing with that is that it kind of piggybacked off the success of Battle Royale and undercut the competition effectively because it was a free-to-play game on consoles yeah. before um, PUBG could actually get on there. For me, it was way like just sitting there watching all these PUBG videos like, I really want to play this, but I don't have a good PC. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was my way. I think a lot of people played that because they had heard about Royale and they just wanted something. Yeah. And at first it was so bare bones. Mm-hmm. It was just literally there was nothing in it. And it's crazy how much how much they've changed that map and how much they've added to it over time. Yeah, I think, yeah, I, I agree. I, I I resent kind of what Fortnite is as a game and I don't like playing it. I hate the cultural phenomenon it's like become, but I can't Same. have anything but respect for the business decisions that got them there in the first place. The idea of looking at, right, what's the newest trend? What's getting Steam? It's um, player unknowns. Like this is the new genre. We have a game that could support that. We can transform it. We can release something bare bones. We can do it for free and get all the interest from that from the, uh, this PC market on consoles in a more accessible way, and then we can build on it from then, which I think a lot of people tried to do afterwards, but there was only one chance to do that, and Fortnite absolutely did it, and then they continued to build upon it, because that could have just been Flash in the Pan. I remember playing it, and I think a lot of us were in the office saying, like... New Pokemon um, Go. Exactly, the new Pokemon Go, this will burn out. It doesn't have the content to sustain it for like the long run, but the fact that Epic have continued to plug whole new areas into this thing whole new mechanics whole new weapons has really supported it like that is nothing but something I can respect and this game from literally in the grave has not only just changed like games in that genre it's basically funded the Epic Store which is now rivaling Steam it's literally fundamentally mm. changed the course of gaming for like the, probably the next 10 years yeah. or so it's just a bit sad that they don't have to crunch people as hard they do to get all these content out mm-hmm. but it's amazing how reactive they can be and just get stuff out it's a machine yeah that's the thing is like it's, it's something we're seeing mm. more often with games as a service titles and I know that that phrase really you know it will like make you go <laughs> but uh, it's one of those things that's really interesting because obviously Siege in itself is a basically a games as a service mm-hmm. you know most um, it's been what four years since the first Siege came out yeah. in that time about a generation ago you probably would have been playing Siege 2 right about now and I, I to be honest I think you know, we probably are in need of a Siege sequel, even with talk that they're potentially going to bring it to the the next gen as well. And it's one of those things that's interesting because at one time, you know, it's great that games can now adapt. You know, it's the launch isn't the end. Mm-hmm. Maybe it is for Anthem, but for <laughs> other games, it's definitely not. And that's really interesting because it has both positives and negatives because on one hand, you have a resurgent title that can sustain itself for years upon years. But when do you decide to not pull the plug, but say look what we accomplished here yeah let's just go and do an actual sequel where is the delineation it's it's really difficult i think siege is a great example and i think gta online is a really mm-hmm. good example of like two behemoths that just keep on growing and that 
neither really feel like they have an end point in sight. Like the fact that we haven't had a GTA 6 or even an announcement of a GTA 6 is entirely down to GTA Online, mm-hmm. I'm sure. And I'm that sure was... that'll be the same for Red Dead Redemption as well. And that is great in a sense that I have been playing both of those games for the entire generation. I will come to define this generation by the likes of Siege and GTA Online. And I think that's a good thing. I mm-hmm. think the amount of content I've got out of a single 50 pounds purchase 40 pounds purchase 25 pounds purchase i don't really buy the microtransactions in these games i know that kind of gets you off gd on online now but i got a good three four years of solid gameplay out of that all for free and i think that's awesome but then at the same time i'm really craving a siege 2 although Mm -hmm. as much as i loved it i want next gen to have a new siege title Mm -hmm. i want a, a new grand theft auto because going back to it now it's fun but as you, as you mentioned, because the games are never finished, the development continues, but then that development sort of delivers diminishing returns because you either get tired of the mechanics or the content itself becomes less significant. And that's what we've seen with Overwatch, in a way, because um, they, they, there have been loads of talks about how the player base there is slightly declining, and you know there, there have been rumors that it's going to go free-to-play because you know they have all the updates are free, but then we also yeah. have the whole you know loot box controversy, and that's interesting in itself. But yeah, it's one of those things that I find really interesting because how do you necessarily know when to start moving ahead? Was there anything you wanted to add there, Ben? Murray? I was just going to ask, um, Josh, did you buy GTA again on PS4? I, <clears throat> I, I got it for Christmas off my girlfriend, so technically no, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> because I don't... What about you, Ewan? Did you... Yeah, I got it about a couple of years. I think I got it just before Heist came out. Right. Because um, I was that's the only thing. I didn't. I looked at stuff beforehand and all the Let's Plays Achievement Hunter did some really, really funny fake Heist gameplays just yep. waiting for heist to come out <laughs> and they just did their own and i thought that was hilarious so that's all i needed from gta and then when it actually when i got to uni and then it, the, the heist started to come out i was like i'll jump in now mm-hmm. and then that period where gta online was perfect it, it still had the shark cards but it, you know it was before the everything you were effectively priced out for not investing in the microtransactions and that period was was a good really four good. years i spent yeah. in that yeah, yeah. did my time <laughs> four <laughs> years <laughs> in los santos um but yeah so kind of going back to that point about games reacting um this year we've seen star wars battlefront 2 embark on its own little mini resurgence and it's one of those interesting things to me because i got battlefront 2 when it first came out and i played it and i thought the criticisms regarding the progression system maybe potentially were a little bit too harsh i i looked at that and i obviously everyone has their own preference for how they should level up the characters and i totally agree that every gamer should be able to put their own agency on the playstyle that they want to but i didn't think it was as debilitating as the controversy seemed to suggest it was i played it and it was perfectly enjoyable there were definitely issues with frostbite even to this day the the tanks don't actually work you Mm. go in them and the camera is just stuttering all over the place it is appalling jesus christ especially, frostbite. <laughs> especially in the new was it conquest yeah uh, uh capital supremacy, supremacy yeah yeah, yeah. They're, they're terrible on that yeah but 40 hours for vader though yeah. was ridiculous yeah. but the thing is the way battlefront has found a way it, it's come back is by tapping into a niche within the star wars fandom because yeah. it's not it, it, whereas the first battlefront that that managed to sustain itself for a little while as well that was all original trilogy focused here they've got all the errors but they're actually really receptive to the community and the, the way this 
game has come is literally from dedicating to the hardcore of Star Wars fans. DICE are constantly interacting with the forums. The the message from them for months after the game was released was, we want more Clone Wars, we want more Clone Wars, we want more Clone Wars. And then, and then they did a massive Clone Wars update. Embrace the memes as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hello there. Yeah. I literally spent most, like, one of the most satisfying experiences of Battlefront 2 this year was hopping on to Heroes as a Villains after unlocking Obi-Wan and then just finding uh, General Grievous and going, Hello there. And I was like, I'm in. I'm in. And he's like, Oh, we're doing this again, aren't yeah. we, General? And he's like, Oh, come here. Yeah. Oh, God, I'm back. They've got me. They've yeah. got my money again. And the interesting thing is, like, obviously, Battlefront, it, it did die in that first month. You know, it was effectively, but Dice kept on plugging away at it. Like, yeah. they were just constantly CPRing this title. <laughs> and, you know, the EA has, has loads of resources. But the way that that's turned around has been by dedicating to the hardcore, a niche within Star Wars fandom, and slowly that word of mouth has filtered out, and more and more people are coming back into it. Yeah, and like um, as we were talking a few was it months ago when mm. we then we decided to write that article, like the ten things they should add. Yeah, and then they go and add droidicars. <laughs> yeah. Like almost two years late. Is that over two years now? Yeah, yes. 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 over two years yeah. later. Yeah. Yeah. Droidicars, which is like a brand new unit that moves differently and just works so differently. Mm -hmm. Sure, they had like other units had personal shields but that's mad mm -hmm. and then when they announce it and then the title is of this blog post mm -hmm. where are those droider cards <laughs> I mean they yeah. know their audience and it's so good how they've reset and just turned it all around and I think they've even taken out all options to buy any currency you can't buy crystals anymore right okay so, I didn't have no ah, I'm pretty sure don't, don't hail me if this is wrong but I'm pretty yeah. sure that's a thing here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it just makes hiring all in one place so easy because you just get unparalleled access to job seekers. Plus, listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash WCG. Just go to Indeed.com slash WCG right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash WCG. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Yeah, I think it's yeah. I think Battlefront Two for me, that and No Man's Sky mm-hmm. is proof that if you try, if you have a good idea and you know you got a good idea, you can resuscitate anything from out of the gate. Battlefront Two will go down as perhaps the generation's biggest sort of like in-game controversy. That loot box fiasco was crazy that was just when i was starting to work here and like the amount of coverage on it and the amount of people engaging with that controversy was out of this world like that downvoted reddit comment or whatever oh God, yeah and if you can come back from the that and stormtrooper <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> if you can come back from that and target a niche and really respond to the needs of that niche i think you can bring anything around we look at anthem now as something that's just dying but i think with enough sort of push behind it and with mm. a clear focus that could become something special. I'm not sure if EA or Bioware has that focus, all that desire, or even that foundation to turn it into something else. But I think mm. that's all you need. No Man's Sky is another great example. That came out, that did its own thing. I think expectations were a little different with that. Mm-hmm. I think uh, a lot of people buying it didn't expect it to be sort of like this semi-basic sort of indie title worked on by seven people. They thought it was going to be a big triple A like blockbuster. And that is down to you know the problems with Sean Murray, the problems with Sony's marketing, and a lot of things. But that's brought itself back by responding to yeah. the player base who did invest and who did stick around during those like tumultuous times if you can bring those two games back anything is possible that's an interesting point you raise actually because with anthem especially you know that game did not release in a in a in a a good state yeah and if there is the chance that that game could be brought back will there be criticisms leveled at bioware and ea for well you're adding these these updates to the game why didn't it not start out like that in the first place yeah. it's interesting there because maybe maybe there is a slight distinction to be made between you know making a game playable and actually supporting it in the long run so that you generate enough interest I don't know if that's certainly thing because I was going to mention Red Dead Online yes. because that in its first I know it was in beta uh, beta but it was <laughs> it was it was one of those things where I played that and I was like this is you've got why aren't you just doing GTA Online but in Red Dead mm. and they're slowly but surely working that in but I'm still looking at it now I'm like why didn't you just have these features in mind when it first yeah. came out? Like these mechanics that you've already just you've just introduced. This is a this is a huge sort of point of contention for me mm-hmm. because I think of all the games we've mentioned so far, both the good and the bad, even Rainbow Six Siege, mm-hmm. a lot of criticism from like you know journalists at this time uh, was that it didn't have enough content or whatever. Like there was too few maps, there was no single player. How long could this sustain itself? And I think that's what we've seen again with Anthem. I think. It is this sort of whilst it is great that we can support games in the long run and keep them alive and make them better than ever that only punishes people who buy day one that only punishes the most hardcore fans who are excited about these games because they are fundamentally getting a worse off product than mm-hmm. if they waited six months or 12 months down the line yeah they get to enjoy the initial hype and get to be excited about the game but the product they're getting is kind of built with the intention of being finished later, even though they won't ever actually mm. say that. I, I don't think there's any chance of me going back to Anthem. Really? Yeah. I was it? I put three hours might have printed it for like five maximum. Mm. Yeah. Just, just there was something about it. It's like you get you get to like the inside the castle, wherever it was. Yeah. You're, just, you're made to walk slowly, and just things that just don't need to be there. How long did you last in that game? Like about, about the same, about yeah. five hours. I ask you this though, Ben Roy. Yeah. Has there been a game that you've thought that about before, and you have ended up going back to it? Because I certainly have. Battlefront Two was the big one yeah. for me. I never thought that I would play that again. When, when Battlefront Two, when when I just put it down, it was out of frustration that when people were just getting the random drops and they were randomly getting the better things mm-hmm. first. It was like, oh, just pull your hair out. But when you go into it, when you can see when oh, they, they, they're making an effort, I'll go back. But it really, I can't really think of something that I've... Because No Man's Sky, yeah. I played that first evening. Like I put seven hours into it that day. Never went back. <laughs> I have it sitting there on my shelf because I don't really trade stuff in, but I just 
don't want to. I don't think there is anything really. What about you, Yun? I, I honestly, think? definitely, I can't think of it. I, I didn't expect to come back to Battlefront. There was a point in time where I was contemplating trading it in because it was just sitting there and mm-hmm. I was just like, well, I, I definitely enjoyed the week or two that I played it for. I really liked the campaign as well. But it was never, I never thought for a second that DICE's support would engender such a unique response. And so that's why I'm so pleasantly surprised. I think it's one of the best success stories of the past year and one yeah. that I can definitely see growing. Yeah. And that's the most exciting thing for me because the DICE are being rewarded for their diligence on this project. This is all them taking a very kind of introspective look at their franchise, catering to a hardcore, and then getting rewarded for that, which I think is an incredible story because nowhere do you usually see developers or studios entertain that kind of audience yeah. at the time? And the fact that it's worked for something as massive as Star Wars illustrates just how how kind of divergent games can be in the sense that you have all these different things at play, but if you find the one thing, mm-hmm. it'll, it'll come back, which is yeah. very interesting. I, was, I, yeah. I do love that Star Wars one, because like you said, Battlefront 1 sort of tried to be this casual experience that catered to every single Star Wars fan, and to an extent, that's what Battlefront 2 tried to do, mm-hmm. but it only found any kind of proper long-term success when it really did focus in on an audience, and I think that's what a lot of games fail to do, like mm-hmm. the ones that have died in the past, Battleborn, Evolve, yeah, even Evolve, though it's Ash yeah. Millman's favorite game. <laughs> I think uh, something like the same fate, they just wasn't, they didn't know who they were trying to get because they were just trying to get in everyone. Mm-hmm. And that is a problem if you don't have a clear focus, if you don't have like a idea in mind, then you can support games. Like Evolve tried so many times to come back to, to, come back to life. It went free to play mm-hmm. and it just didn't work because there was no real sort of central hook there. Like yeah. there was too much bad blood even before it came out. It's interesting because it doesn't just go to multiplayer games either. I was going to re- mention yeah. another Ubisoft title in uh, Ghost Recon Wildlands because I got that when it came out as well. I thought it was a deeply flawed game, but with friends, it was very good. Um, they've been supporting that game with the occasional kind of event update and then also loads and loads and loads of microtransactions. And to me, that's Ubisoft mistaking the message that Siege imparted. Mm-hmm. You know, Ghost Recon is to... See, is, is to single player what Siege is to multiplayer and they should really be kind of focusing on that maybe introducing new characters and classes as they're going along and then maybe you know giving people the chance to purchase acquire these new items that they're adding in through actually playing the game but most of them are all up behind the paywall so there are definitely even at the same time we're kind of living in an era where we're getting all this you know games are kind of coming back to life there are still the occasional examples where you're just like well how have you just missed the message that fundamentally yeah i mean sorry sorry ben, right? i mean ghost recon mm-hmm. is is a franchise that i held dear yes. the, the, the early days like the really tactical ones where mm-hmm. you place all your people around and you get the expansion mm-hmm. like Desert Storm agree. and Island Thunder I really enjoyed that I kind of fell off in the war in the war fight is it war fight uh, yeah the war fighter stuff was good Future Soldier was the Gears of War-y Ooh, type one yeah and then yeah. that one really made me fall off yeah. and then with this one I looked at it I was like oh just uh just cocaine mountain just a bunch of people just, <laughs> they don't look like Ghost Recon people anymore yeah. they're just wearing a t-shirt and they're driving around on motorbikes mm-hmm. but going into it as I said in my play, it's actually such a fun experience and a bit basic in mm-hmm. some sense but I like that because so, so many things I was like oh I'm going to tweak this screw on my gun and that's mm-hmm. going to add 0.5 <laughs> magic to it <laughs> yeah. but being able to fight the Predator 
yeah. I actually have to think about the fight and like it's it ruins you yeah or creeping into that base and finding Sam Fisher or finding Kavera and like helping them out like all these little things that they've added mm. it's, it's, it's funny how that works because although I never went back to Ghost Recon Wildlands after like I, don't, I must have played it for, I don't even think I finished it I played it for about mm. 20 hours with my friend just you messing about well this mm. is the thing mm. but I've kept invested in it even though I haven't been actively participating in any of these events every time there's a new one when Sam Fisher comes in and when the Predator comes in I get excited for it when I watch John the trailers when John Burnfall <laughs> comes in I think that's key in making me excited for Breakpoint because mm. even though my love affair with um, Wildlands wasn't uh, very long it was really fleeting in the grand scheme of things yeah. the fact that they keep releasing these updates that interest me and that interest the player base it makes me excited for the next game because I hope that has the same sort of attention uh, given to it I was going to say maybe that's where they found the delineation between innovate, uh, updating a game and making the sequel because there are mechanical issues with Wildlands that you wouldn't be able to solve with a simple update and we're yeah. seeing that kind of being introduced with Breakpoint and the ability to like the, the the injury system they're introducing and like the camo stuff maybe they'll also learn the lessons and know how to sub- focus on the event stuff in this one rather than the microtransaction stuff as well but to kind of end on a point here um, we were talking just a few minutes ago about people who um, the, the how gaming effectively rewards latecomers to the mm-hmm. game and how the hardcore people who drop in at the earliest opportunity aren't necessarily the ones that are rewarded. And one thing that I don't really see, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, I don't really see these games as a service games going back and rewarding people who were there from the beginning. And that's like, you know, Battlefront 2 has always had this thing where if you, in, if you log in, you get 500 credits free, basically. But never anything super substantial. And I would like to see games do that more often like with siege when they got rid of the acog stuff and they made all the operators free yeah. the, the first the first batch of operators they didn't reimburse any renown for yeah. people that had been there from the beginning and i was wondering how we could potentially see that dilemma being addressed on the next generation i, I have no idea because it is it is a genuine dilemma i think mm. the publishers and developers rely so much in that first wave of interest because even though it's no longer as important as it was like you still need the sales up front to sort of justify that extended cost but then those people are both not rewarded with a complete game oftentimes but then like you said they're not rewarded by sticking around with the mm. game like a lot of times a lot of the time in GDA Online I would jump back in because Rockstar were releasing a free cash boost to like everyone yeah, but yeah. I would I would think about coming back more often to something like Siege or something like Rainbow Six Wildlands even Rainbow Six Wildlands <laughs> Ghost Recon Wildlands <laughs> even if there was something to reward the fact that I was there day one if that makes sense or have been around for a long time mm. I will say though that PUBG on consoles mm. was disgusting. Like you would, <laughs> you would fall through the world, you'd land, and no buildings were sort of thing. This was this was like this for months, but I still played it. And after the first year, people on Xbox, we got so much like reward cash mm-hmm. that they actually gave out money to buy. They don't really have loot boxes. It's kind of just like uh, four or five chests that you can see what's in it. And you just keep uh, purchasing with the, the money that you earn in game. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they they rewarded people a lot for that, and they gave them some free clothes mm-hmm. and sort of thing. And they've done that a bit on the PlayStation as well. So there is a some people have done it, but I don't know why like Rainbow Six won't just go. Here's a load of renown. Mm-hmm. Here's a free skin or something. Like you know, like it's one my those, guys have yeah. been so basic for so yeah, many yeah. years because I refuse to spend the money and on that when I can I really spend the money. I really want some of the the super skins, like um, yeah, the elite skins. Thatcher, come on, yeah. Thatcher without helmet. Yeah, <laughs> it's just yeah, yeah. It's interesting. I just I wish there was a there is a simple answer to it, but it's, I wonder if it's a case of people. You know, we may be seeing the negative side of games coming back to life in the sense that they want to, ex- they want because the, the the initial launch wasn't as successful. They want to eke out every 
you know, down they yeah. can because yeah. even when a game is on the on a, on the rise again through a resurgence, it's still very temperamental, as we've seen with Overwatch and maybe to a degree with Siege as well. Because even though it's got the the uh, you know the 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 professional um, kind of sports league. It's mm -hmm. still you know it's it still fluctuates, and I think that's something they maybe have to bear in mind as well. There is a game that I've remembered while talking about this that is mainly single player, but you can play multiplayer. Mm -hmm. uh, Dying Light. Oh, so yes. that came out, and yeah. it was quite like it's quite like oh, this is a quite good game. I love Dying Light. I never played it until about last year oh. uh, with like uh, two other friends, mm -hmm. and they have added so much. You go through and see what they've added to it, mm -hmm. and even recently they added this like weird pseudo battle realm. Mode, which never touched mm. but that's a game that, that's a single player game that somehow they have managed to just update and update and update throughout mm. the years this came out after Dead Island was a bit janky mm -hmm. they've they've really smoothed it out now and this has come out before Dead, Dead Island 2 mm -hmm. and the sequel is going to come out before Dead Island 2 which is really weird so you yeah. don't want to know what's going on over there but They've just supported this game so much and like really smoothed over yeah. and had so much. I'm really looking forward to the second one. Yeah, I don't like that. You don't really get many games doing that. The weirdest one I can think of is that Borderlands 2 just got a free DLC after yeah. like eight years, seven years, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And that is just a pure gimmick. But at the same time, I'm kind of here for content coming out of nowhere. Battle, battle, not Battlefront, mm -hmm. uh, Black Ops 4, mm -hmm. no, Black Ops 3. I will get there in the end. <laughs> Black Ops 3 is sort of a good example of that when in. My God, I'm just losing my mind. When Infinite Warfare tanked, Activision went back to the drawing board and released more DLC for uh, Black Ops 3, even though that's, that era had sort of ended, yeah. which was kind of unprecedented, but gave that an extended life in a way I think Call of Duty especially needs because that two-year dev cycle that's now in, uh, in, in effect is going to kill it. And even though this kind of happened before they launched, Hitman mm. almost yes, died Hitman's straight away where, yeah. where they had to just cancel all the pre-orders. I'm like, no... <laughs> We've screwed up. We're just going to start again. Mm. And how they they added maps to that game throughout the year. It was just, I kept going back to Hitman and I wanted to throw things at people's head, like <laughs> wherever it was, like an exploding duck or something like that. Mm. Just, it was so good. Bit slow on this new one, but that's a game again that yeah. they, they've kind of like pumped back, hit life back into Hitman because it's brought in a lot of people that never really touched one because the barrier to entry was just so like, oh, it's yeah. really easy. Yeah, yeah. I think Hitman's actually a great example of like a single player sort yeah. of game doing that. And I think it, it just, it's it's so unfortunate that those games didn't sell as well as they mm. did, especially the second one. But it's just like, again, it was not the problem of the developers. They did so well to support that game and make the most of that episodic um, kind of structure. And then it was just kind of like the publisher and the marketing and the way it was kind of like sold to people that kind of turned them off, which is devastating when you see that amount of effort actually put into a game and it not be received by the player base. Yeah. So to wrap things up, we may not have a definite answer for why video games keep on coming back to life on this generation, but maybe, you know, maybe we can point the direct in the direction of hardcore communities. You know, we've seen it um not necessarily with Siege, that was kind of Ubisoft's grand plan actually coming together in the long run, but certainly with stuff like Battlefront and Hitman yeah. Degree and other yeah. stuff as well. So uh, please let us know if you have any other games that have kind of had this miraculous comeback. Please let us know down in the comments below and on social media at What Culture Gaming. This is the What Culture is WC Gaming. I can't remember now. Rich, just help find us. What Culture Gaming on Twitter, please. Uh, and don't forget to support the What Culture Gaming podcast by giving a like and a share and a subscribe on the channel or on on is it Acast? Acast, I've, iTunes, I'm Spotify. I'm not Scott Tailford, so I don't know. But uh, go on, Josh, say that again. iTunes, no. iTunes, iTunes. Cast, Spotify, most 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 reputable um, podcast, you know, reputable. websites. That's brilliant. Yeah. That's what we are. As always, <laughs> I've been you. You can follow me on Twitter at you and ruins things, and I've been joined by Josh Brown. You can follow me at Josh Brood with two O's on the end of that um, uh, tag. Ben Roy, and you can follow me at Ben Roy Turner. Do Easy. It.
See you next time. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. 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 Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.